What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brothers Podcast. I am your host, Steven C.P. Watson. As always, back online with my partner in crime. Dante Chase Bridges, a.k.a. Dante Chase Bridges, never needed N-A-K-A. And together that will make us... Brothers. The brothers? The brothers. The goddamn brothers. You in with the brothers now. That's right. We are here. We are here. We are here. It is Thursday. It was nice and sunny, but we forgot where it's wintertime here in Chicago, and it got dark real quick. It got dark at 4.30 and shit. Exactly. It's... Man, like... like like that. We might as well be in Alaska. Cause I thought it was spring for a little bit. It when gave I me was, a little bit of hope. When I was driving over here, it was it was light. It was it light. Was it was <laughs> shining. It was shining bright in my face, and I couldn't see nothing. I ain't been over here twenty minutes, and it's dark as hell. That's Pretty much. That's that's what that's was Chicago, Chicago. Chicago winters. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting and very controversial subject. We're going to talk about two things that happened this past week. Break it down thoroughly. Some things you might understand, some things you might not understand, some things you might agree with, some things you definitely might not agree with. But we're going to try to relate. Mm. But first, we got a little something we got to call Town Hall Business. Business. Mr. Bridges, what you got? Now, listen. Mm -hmm. Now, usually, at this point, I talk about a black-owned business, right, that Mm -hmm. I am feeling that I like. But something happened to me this week. What happened? So, I seen a, a young lady that, you know, we kind of converse back and forth with all the time. And she had a black-owned business, uh, fashion. It was, you know, and she, I think she makes her own things and she's a model also, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we converse, I said, hey, why don't you leave a link to your, you know, your info, your boutique. And, you know, I'll put it on our show. And she hit me back, cool. I said, cool. Cool. I was like, okay, uh, just leave a link. She left a link and didn't say anything. Oh. So this is what I want to say. <laughs> you remember when I talked about black and bad black-owned businesses? Mm-hmm. Now, to be a bad black-owned business don't mean that your product is garbage. But it can actually mean that your customer service is garbage. See, when you're dealing with a person that's actually trying to, I'm not going to say put you on because I'm not going to say I have power over you or anything like Mm -hmm. that. But when you're dealing with somebody that is willing to work with you, willing to barter with you, willing to put exposure to you on their platform, you don't have to be all up in arms. Thank you, sir. You don't have to do none of that. Right. But at least show common rapport, Some common type of respect, moderate respect, modest, right? moderate respect for a right. person that's saying what they're going to do. Because people who put you on their platforms and and give you their business, and one thing y'all might not understand, the brothers have seen from over forty podcast engines. Right. We're on Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, all that stuff. So, I like that segue. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, see, right. I'm still going to be on this point. Yeah. So if somebody tell you I'm going to put you on mm-hmm. and I want to showcase it, just thank you. I appreciate it. Now, for the most part, most black-owned businesses that we get in contact, that contact me, that's how it comes. That's yeah. how we roll. We It's a reciprocation. Oh, man, yeah, appreciate it. Good, good business. Oh, okay, thanks for shouting me out. But when you think that you are entitled to people to help you, yeah. You're entitled to people to shout you out. That's when I got to put you in the uh, what, what, what was it? bad black-owned business. Okay. So I was going to shout this black-owned business out, 
but because the rapport was so terrible and you just left me a link like I was supposed to be all over it. Look, I got, I, I had three people that sent me uh, something for their black owned business. I don't have to shout yours out. Right. So this week, I'm going to have to say we did not have a black owned business. And you want to know why? Because the black owned business could not show customer service, the decency of respect, reciprocity, reciprocating, mm -hmm. good gestures back and forth. You got to be able to do that. Okay? Especially did you, women. Did you make them mad or something? No, no, no. This was more of an entitled, yeah, you're going to do what I want anyway because I'm on that. Don't, don't come like that. Because when you come like that, you have a segment about you where I say that you are a bad black-owned business. So for the person who did that, you know who you are. So ain't got no shout out for you no more. Work on your customer service. Your clothes are actually cool, but work on your customer service. This man had his voice altered because he was so upset. It basically. was all up in my life right, right like, here. You know, he I had, had phlegm coming right, up you my You knew you had to like right clear here. your throat I was at that here. moment. I like, was going to try to chuck it out, but right. I had to. I had to clear it. Right, it didn't clear. It didn't, didn't clear, it, and then his voice adjusted. It was yeah, like you yeah. saw that. That's how mad he was. But uh, people, he's you like, see he, this? Right, see, he was like, "What the you, fuck is y'all on?" You man? all on my lips right now, people. Right. Please, come on, man. Let's let's have a little bit of rapport with the uh, black-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. Let's actually converse. Let's talk. Let's have decency or respect. Right. And I'm all about respect. If you know me, you know me personally. I'm a respect dude. I live by code. You respect me, I'm definitely gonna respect you. You don't respect me, I'm gonna poo poo. Cause I ain't gonna disrespect you. I'm just gonna poo poo. Right. So you on, on, you on poo, like you on. Take a dumb one Cause I don't give a shit oh, yeah. I don't give a shit about that I wanna put people on That wants to be on right. Because if I was in that situation And I was coming to somebody's platform Like I said It ain't about kissing ass Or nothing like that Right But it's about saying Bro I appreciate you I see you got a platform Hey man If you could promote my business Man I would really appreciate that bro Oh we gonna do it Oh man thanks a lot bro Appreciate it man Hey here's something man Just a sample That's the way I do business with people Right barter You know And I own several businesses so I know about businesses. You know what I'm saying? That's how I make my money. That's how I put gas in my car to come to this show. So work on your customer service and you gonna get a shout out. You don't, and I'm gonna shout you out, but in the bad black owned business category. And that's all I gotta say about this one. I just sell goats. Hey, man. I mean, whatever, dude, man. People like goats, all right? I sell goats and chicken, all right? Whatever. Fuck y'all talking about. It's a good business. You do look African. You, I I'm on, I'm on daddy's side. You look like a Nigerian Uber driver. I told so you what? I mean, look, I'm just saying. We, <laughs> we make the money. We meet the dude. Why you? Why you? Why you? Why you? <laughs> we make the money. We make the money and go. Okay? Why you go to the north side? Why do you go to the north side? I had to go over here. You look like you live in a studio apartment. On we the go to the west Chicago. loop. It's okay. <laughs> I go to the west loop. I drop you up here and I go. Mm -hmm. But anyway... All black customers, but you hate niggas. That's fucked up, bro. Fuck are these niggas, okay? <laughs> I don't like them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so, <laughs> was that everything you had to do with your time? That office? was everything I had to do. Man. Okay, so let me go ahead and run through this town office real quick. As always, shout out our official DJ JMC and his shows. Let's see, we got Daydreams to Reality podcast. We have... Project X podcast, World's Greatest podcast, all available on Air TV on YouTube. Wait a minute. Air. 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 TV. Shout them out. 
As always, shout out our good friend, Miss Angelina Edwards for Starlight Beauty and Apparel. Get your hookup. Get the flyest clothes, the flyest shoes, the flyest little novelties. If y'all want it, she got it. Let me holler at her. Well, go ahead. The Angelina Edwards, she the homie. Mm-hmm. Don't Angelina sound like she should sing like R&B and be dope as hell? Like if she had an R&B album out. She got an R&B look. She got an R&B look, a voice. Yeah. Like, like she talk like this. And like I be wanting to say, damn, you sound like Fantasia. Yeah. Just say, if you don't want me, then I-. Like she sound like she is just <laughs> sing some shit like that. Like you need to get into R&B. You could be like the next... Uh, and that's Aaliyah be- 2.0 And that's something. before the Hennessy ladies and gentlemen On the real That's before the Hennessy She got the hair The long hair She got the look And everything like that And she hit you With the sultry voice <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to take you On the road this- and, that, that's how, and that's how She hustles people out And that's how She gets the money Out of us Okay. Shout out to the homie shout Angelina Shout out to the Angelina And as always Shout out to y'all The viewers who tune in Every single week Who listen to us Every single week Who listen to all our content On all our multiple platforms. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for supporting the brothers as always. Keep it every week. Now, let's get to the nitty and the gritty. What we talking about with the nitty and the gritty? Let's start off first with what little interesting thing that happened yesterday. I always say that little interesting thing. I need to change that, maybe. That's so, stick. yeah, that's one stick. That's Everybody stick. has a stick, apparently. Don't that's your stick. It's a very little interesting that's thing. That's how they that relate happened. to you. Don't, don't. So, yesterday, in case y'all were living under a rock. We had the inauguration of our 46th president of the United States. Joseph R. Biden Jr. And of course, you know, Kamala Harris, our very first female president, vice president of the United States. Both of them got sworn in. We had a whole bunch of performances. And I have some serious, serious gripes. I have first... <laughs> Thank you for bringing that song up Because here's the problem First thing Who the fuck asked Jennifer Lopez to sing I did not approve it Who asked for Jennifer Lopez to appear in the first place Nobody give a fuck about J-Lo Well I don't think you're her PR manager So I don't don't care I I didn't ask for that I don't want J-Lo Fuck J-Lo She's what the fuck is she there for? <laughs> keep going, keep going. Okay, because every time I tell you this, you be like, "No, I'm tripping." Keep on. Okay, just keep I'm, talking. Yeah. Okay, number two. Why in the world was Lady Gaga look like she came from the Mockingbirds, the Hunger Games? Excuse me. Okay. The Hunger Games. I swear to God, I got scared when I saw her perform. I was like, "Oh my God." You know Somebody what? Somebody got a bow and arrow coming out of here. Like, what's going on here? You know what? I believe you. What? Uh, that she did look like that. And the only reason I believe you because I could not bear to get up and watch that. Man, I couldn't even watch not one minute of it. The only thing I saw was the memes that happened with Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. looking like my granddaddy sitting in a rocking chair. With Matter, the gloves, yeah, with the gloves. I'm telling you, man. Did anybody see Bernie Sanders sitting in that chair? He looked like he just like it was like a regular routine for him. Like I got somewhere I gotta be. Can we already have a wrap up, please? That's what I want to be when I get old and cool. He I want to be so old and cool that I can sit with my legs crossed like that, just like that. That's how my granddaddy used to sit. That's the coolest ass thing. I love the. I can't do it now uh-huh. because you know I, I got all this in between. But when I get old enough. Damn. Man, I'm, I'm boy. I'm a man. I'm, man, that's the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. 
He looked like he didn't even care. He looked like he get the social security every month. He ain't got no financial worries no more. Yeah. That's how he was sitting. And then what else we got? So we had the Hunger Games apparently for a minute, and I was a little scared mm-hmm. as I volunteer in tribute. And I was like, oh no, we're gonna we, somebody's gonna die right here, right now <laughs> in this inauguration. And then why? Where the, where the hell did Garth Brooks come from? Well, where did where did they dig up Garth Brooks? Where I don't understand where all of a sudden, and then he tried to treat it like he tried to treat his singing like a regular concert. Come on, everybody, if you know the words of the song, <laughs> sing along. Was there anybody there? There were people there, but they weren't singing along because I didn't see the inauguration. I didn't know if I didn't know if they had a crowd. I didn't know what there was a crowd, and that's kind of interesting that there was a crowd because I thought we were banning social distancing laws, but you know what? They didn't care, there were masks. Some right. people have masks. Some people didn't. You know, we don't. They apparently don't care that much. And the only reason I bring that up because I know that security was going to be so packed because we're out in the open. We just had an insurrection, mm-hmm. and you know somebody could have had that thing out there. And I know that there couldn't have been enough. There couldn't have been enough Secret Service to stop angry white people at a specific person. <laughs> there just ain't enough. Well, there was ammunition and firepower for that. Well, there were reports that well, there were reports that there were at least two men who did have unregistered ammunition during around that area, and they were apprehended. Speak on it. They were taken into custody. Mm -hmm. There was one who had apparently there was another person that had a BB gun in that area. (laughs) So, uh, you know, take that for what it is. What were their ethnicities? They did not disclose that information. Uh, Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. We're we're gonna, but we think we have a good idea. Okay. So, but basically, but long story short, we had our inauguration and I guess it didn't really take time for Joe Biden to just go ahead and start going to work because this man to yesterday, first day in office signed 17 executive orders. I don't even, I don't even know half of these executive orders, but we do know also today he signed 10 more executive orders and most had to do with coronavirus relief. Guess what? None of them had nothing to do with. Or none people of like these us. Executive orders, the Executive 17, had anything to do with African American, Black American, Indigenous American, whatever you want to classify yourself as. Out of 17, who was getting taken care of first? Not who, us. Who, who was? I just know it ain't us, so I don't really care. Well, you know, one of the first things they did, they got the LGBTQ track cracking with the activist rights and uh, the initiatives and the programs that they started. He put a lot of effort into making them first priority. Mm-hmm. He even took care of the uh, Mongolian Native Americans and their territories with the pipeline that they was building. Mm-hmm. So he stopped production of the pipeline, which they've been asking for. So that takes care of the Mongoloid Native American. But did you you saw what I shared to you earlier? I shared it on this to the Real Talk with the Brothers page and Joe right. Biden plan for Black America. The Joe Biden plan for Black America. The Joe Biden plan for Black America. You talk about it. I didn't bother reading it because I knew it was a bunch of BS. Well, see, this is the thing. The mm. Joe Biden plan for Black America is nothing because Joe Biden is looking at Black America as a quote unquote minority. Mm-hmm. So when you hear words like minority. Uh, multicultural 
this is a way of trickling down the money to the demographics that they wanted to without them having to say, hey, we, we took care of black people. Yes. You know, these are almost like uh, code words, whistle words. The typical like democratic that. talking points. So with the uh, Biden's executive 17 is what they was calling it. There was no particular, any particular, no specificity of black people inside of there. Like no. I said, they talked about the Mongoloid Native American. Mm -hmm. Do you remember me telling you about the 11 million immigrants that he was going to let into the United States? The Biden dream plan. And it wasn't the DACA. It wasn't all just talking about people coming from Europe, people coming from Mexico. We was talking about people that were illegal aliens that was a part of the drug trafficking ring from the southern borders of the United States being able to come in their children. We're also telling you that that's going to affect black people because where do immigrants go when they get to the United States? The major metropolis areas. Exactly. They go to your city in Cincinnati. They go to your city in Cleveland. They go to your city in Chicago, your city in L.A., your city in D.C., your city in Miami. Yo, city in Jacksonville. If you live in uh, Toledo, Ohio, they come in there. Mm -hmm. They gonna go to Detroit. So they gonna flood this 11 million people. They gonna flood yeah. your city as an African-American. And that's going to allow them to take over your jobs because they're gonna come in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar less than what you make. And also they're gonna have loans that's going to give them businesses in your area. And you try to get the same loan for commercial real estate in your area and see how far your black ass gets. <laughs> it's not going to be that far. Uh -huh. But see, at the same time, you listen to people like Al Sharpton that puts multicultural immigration agendas saying that we have to unite with black and brown. There's nothing wrong with having a rapport with a person, but at the same time, if you don't have your shit together and they have their shit together, it is not a coalition. It's one person looking down on the other. And that's the point of where black America is with any other immigrant, mm -hmm. any other demographic, any other race. And they just let 11 million mugs up in here. And here's the thing I have a problem with when you talk about minorities because that's such a vague 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 labeling like it's nothing really specific about being called a minority because now if you call yourself a minority if you group black people in with as minorities it kind of just washes across the board you know what i mean so basically what i'm saying is is that calling us a minority well you can also call latinos minorities you can call asian americans minorities you can call chinese well not say they're still asian they're all part of asia you can call native americans as minorities but you really aren't classifying which minority is it so if we have a plan say we have a plan to take care of all minorities that just sounds like some more smoke and mirrors bullshit that i gotta say something. I, I gotta say something that's not gonna be popular this is why I don't understand why y'all was so damn mad at Trump. I just want to mm. let y'all understand something. You name me one thing that Trump did specifically against black people. Name me one when he was in office for four years. You probably can't. As but okay. just let me say this real quick. Mm -hmm. You probably can't name me one thing, but you probably can tell me that Trump's a racist. Trump is crazy. Trump is wild. Trump needs to be in jail. But you have no goddamn idea why he's crazy, why he's racist, or why he needs to be put in jail. Sometimes as these black activists, as you call yourselves, you need to fall back sometimes. 
because you actually fighting a war for some people that wouldn't fight for you because the people that he was actually stopping prohibiting had nothing to do with african-americans but you took on that fight just like you took on the womanist movements as african-american women you take on fights that you don't need to now you got a mud in here that has literally got a track record for throwing black men in jail. And he got a counterpart that threw more black men and more black women in jail with Kamala Harris. Well, then, you know, in Trump's last day in office, he did like pardon over 140 plus people. Right. Some more notable names were black people. And you know something that I heard Corey Hogan say to shout out to Corey. I ain't going to even get on him. Oh, this yeah. is a dude. Right. But he said, if a person is going to like you, they're going to like you. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like you, they just ain't going to like you. So all this stuff that Trump did his last days in office, mm -hmm. African-Americans, he let out more African-Americans in his four-year term out of prison than any president has ever done in the history of the United States. He let out people that actually shouldn't have been in prison in the first place that they call miserable, a person that was a thrifter, shysty, a person that took over an entire city and raped their funds. That's what they claim he did. And Kwame, do you know who Kwame, Kwame is? Kilpatrick. Kwame Kilpatrick. Yes. The Detroit mayor. He let him out of prison. Pardon him. Pardon Lil Wayne. Pardon Kodak Black. He ain't pardon Bobby Schmurter, though. You know the one. <laughs> see, this why nigga. This what I'm talking about right <laughs> But see, that that's what honestly black people be doing that. Because, and I ain't talking about what you're doing. You just, you just tripping. But <laughs> what black people would do is they'll see somebody do five, six, seven things that's great. But because they've already came in with the preconceived notion that they don't like them, they'll make an excuse of why that's not good. Mm -hmm. So once I saw that he did that, I say, OK, that's what he's been doing for the past four years. And then I saw multiple black people say, well, he letting out all the thugs. Why he going to do that? Oh, he's just trying to get in good. Get in good with who? He's gone. He's not here anymore. Right. It's done. He doesn't have a PR firm. He doesn't have anybody to push him to the next four years because he's not president anymore. And if you were paying attention from the beginning, you would have saw how many African-Americans he let outside of prison in a four year span. Right. You would have saw how much a hundred million dollars that he put into these packages. It was called the Community Block Fund. Mm -hmm. He put a hundred million dollars into actual inner city African-American communities. If you was paying attention, you would have saw this. But because most of y'all are consumed with the goddamn media and you think you know everything, especially that black college educated student, I can't stand you much the most. And I'm one of you. Damn, I, I fucked up. I'm one of you. But I can't stand you because I know the way you think. Right. You go in there, you pre-program. You have this liberalism. You say these talking points. You sound smart. You talk down to people like they don't know what's going on. Don't start with with, with all the while, you the dummy, you the idiot, you the one that sound like you stupid. I can't so stand I, it, but that's what they do, and that's yeah. what you have done. So get ready for a man that's going to ignore the shit out of you, and a female in Kamala Harris that ain't gonna ignore you. She's gonna lock your ass up. So get ready for that because that's what you just drafted into the White House. Because in essence, this is what the Democrats always do. It's always the feel-good story instead of actually getting shit done. And I ain't got to be a Trump supporter to say this. I just got to be a dude that can, got two eyes and two ears. That's we all. Record. We are on the moment on the doorstep where we are on the feel-good motion of America. But we're not getting shit done at all.
Well, welcome to the next four years. Who knows? Let's, let's see what happens. Oh, okay? it's going to be eight. A primary Democratic government is now in place, and we're going to see what just happens next. Let's see how much we get ran over and ran around and whatever. Because that's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It's always happens. It's always been happening since it, with the Democrats. It's going to be a gay man having sex with a, a, a midget on CBS in the middle of the daytime now. Because that's what tends to happen when you have more of a democratic society. It tends to fall on the libertarianism. And it tends to blur the lines of what's right and what's wrong. It, it tends to affect everything. Especially the media. Because that's what's happening. For the sake of everything that is decent to my eyes, I would really, <laughs> I'm going to go on a limb and say I think it may... They won't exaggerate that, but hey, I just hey, don't hey, want to know. Look, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. For my bachelor party. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we going to move on from that. Because I, I, don't, I don't want no regular strippers. I actually don't want no strippers. But if my people decides to do anything, I want two midget strippers. Midget strippers? Midget strippers. Okay. So, okay, so. And, and I want them to have a seven-foot pole. Okay. Why you want them to struggle like that? <laughs> why you want? Why you want them to achieve a and, level and, that they can't achieve? And I don't want them to be booty popping and nothing like that. No, I want them to be doing acrobatic tricks. I want them to be doing cartwheels and stuff like that, climbing a little pole and falling down and shit. That's gonna be hilarious. And you telling me you ain't gonna do the June bug dance today? I'm gonna do the June bug. There you if go. I, if I get that. <laughs> ah, yeah, I see it. I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna invite my wife. Then. Come on, look at this, baby. I, it ain't got nothing to do with sex. This is, this is entertainment. Ah, she failed. Why, yeah, you, want, you want pain to happen to these mistresses? You know what? I'm tripping, man. If I gotta be the best man, I ain't. Even, I don't even know how to react to this. But anyway, so that's our part. Now let's talk about something. That may or may we know what let's do something a little interesting in this one. So awesome. I'm gonna name the pros of this. I'm trying to like break down all the pros about this. And of course you're gonna break down all the cons of this. First of all, I don't even know what the hell we breaking down. Well, we're breaking down <laughs> a little bit of a movie that came out. But I'm gonna follow your script. Okay. Okay, so the movie that came out this past Friday is called One Night in Miami. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know what that movie is, this is a basic movie that was directed by Regina King. Yeah, right knows who Regina King is. The great, a phenomenal, beautiful actress. She started in her directorial debut. It was a movie that is based on Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke after, the, after Muhammad Ali's fight with Sonny Liston. This is before he became Muhammad Ali. He was Cassius Clay back then. Um, that was right after the Sunny Liston fight, and they went out to celebrate. So they spent in the hotel room one night in a hotel room, and they had dialogue and conversation of anything and everything that occurred with black men in black America or black people in black America in general. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point, it was just so all over the place. It was emotionally charged. It was unbelievably sound. There were points and talking points that you couldn't believe that came from people. Some it, was, people. it was emotionally sound. It was just all over the place. We saw characters. We saw personality traits in some of our most iconic black male leaders. And we were like, we didn't expect that from them. Yeah. But let's, date, let's be on the literal side. This was based on a play mm-hmm. called One Night in Miami. Same premise. It just turned into a movie. Right, right, right. So... 
We can't honestly say, but before we go any further, we're going to say that there's a lot of things about this that are not exactly accurate because we don't know exactly what happened in this room. Okay. Only one person can actually tell you what happened in that room, and that's Jim Brown, because that's the only person still alive that can tell you what happened in that room. Where he he, said he, that he room. ain't doing too good. And he ain't, and it's, it's we're open out for our brother out there, Jim Brown. Yeah. So I heard he got the shakies. So I'm going to go out. Damn, that's fucked up. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this movie had a bit of a direction of. I get it. I get it. So there was some very severe talking points. Like if you haven't, spoiler alert, people. If you haven't seen One Night in Miami. You might want to go watch it first before you come back and watch it. Finish the rest of this episode. Because there's going to be some parts I'm going to let y'all know what happened. Okay? Y'all had about a week to watch it. So, I mean, that's on y'all. I don't think you need to tell them anything. I mean, they had all the time. They yeah, all the time. Well, I'm just giving you a spoiler. Oh, hey, man. So, there was one opening scene where Jim Brown, I guess, visited one of his old ball coaches and sat down on the porch and had them they And the girl, his the ball coach's daughter, treated him like... A celebrity, and they were like, "Oh my God, Jim, how you doing?" And you know, they sat down on the porch. They had a gate. They gave him lemonade, and they had a good conversation, and so on and so forth. And they treated him like a human being until there was a moment where he walked. The white man got up, walked into his house, and he had to go move some furniture around. <laughs> and Jim Brown offered to lend him this a hand. Was, this was funny. And you know what that man said? <laughs> Come on, Jim. Come on, Jim. You know we don't <laughs> allow niggers in this house. Come on, bro. Just sit, just sit on the porch and, and, and be a good boy. So you mean to tell me, <laughs> no matter how much of a world-class, famous football player he is, no matter how much admiration he has and how much respect that he has, mm-hmm. you still don't think he's good enough to set foot in your own house because he's a black man. Mm-hmm. But then again, that's what happened in the 60s. And that still continues on to this day, most of the part. You would think that you think it doesn't happen, but you know, a lot of times it still happens. Mm, mm. So, we also saw Malcolm X be as about, and I don't know, you might get mad when people say it, but be as about as light skinned as you acting as you possibly could be. Well, Malcolm X was a very light skinned redhead guy. But damn, he was like the light skinned of light skinned personalities in this one. And I'm sitting there like, what the f- Fuck. Okay. This ain't the militant brother we all are used to. Hey man, you was on four with the other one. I was on four? You was on four with the other oh, one. And you didn't get to <laughs> you almost got to five, so no, but I'm talking about with, with your turn. Oh, excuse me. Excuse you you me. have your word, I have mine. <laughs> so but there was some I do appreciate, however, one segment. There was the intellectual debate between Malcolm X and Sam Cook. And it was surprising for me because you would not think a man like Sam Cook who has spent a lot of years in the business where white people are, are entertaining white people, would have this type of perspective. Yeah. Or so this movie called for. It was interesting because Sam Cooke went toe-to-toe with Malcolm X on on a lot of ideological debates, and it looked like Sam Cooke was holding his own. Because mm. he brought up the topic of black wealth, which I think is a very, very big thing that needs to be discussed time and time again and it's a very big thing that needs to be discussed to this day because a lot of things that for the black community to prosper and succeed we need more black wealth and we need to close the gap on wealth and black people 
So Sam Cooke actually went toe-to-toe with Malcolm X about this and said, look, you kind of focusing on the wrong thing. You want to make yourself an enemy. You want to make yourself a combatant. You want to make yourself the defiant black man and a defiant member of the Nation of Islam. But in reality, nigga, you still ain't got no job. And let's go out and get you money, nigga. Exactly, because guess what? The only way we gonna make it as a community is if we have money circulating in the black communities. I definitely agree with Sam Cooke because I'll say this one quote: "You can't lead the people if you can't feed the people." Exactly. So, and you know, like like how you were saying, man, I I honestly would have never thought that Sam Cooke would have had some of the most infi- insightful ways of talking and mm. understanding racial dynamics right. and understanding economic dynamics. Like, he literally was treating yeah. Malcolm's life for that. And, and, like, and like, honestly, the biggest reason why I would have never thought that Sam Cooke would have that type of dynamic is because everything in the play and movie never fucking happened. I did. It never happened. Sam Cooke did not have the insightful thoughts to talk to Malcolm X like that because it never happened. This is a fictional story of historical figures put in a position to have intellectual conversations that never existed. I mean, I did bring that. I did clear that up, though. But it. But this is the thing that I'm getting sick of people doing, not just you. Well, I mean, just me. I did say it was not. We don't know exactly what this, happened in that room. It, you don't know what happened in the room because the room wasn't there. <laughs> what I'm trying to say to people, it never happened. The room was not there. The intellectual conversation was not there. Wait, how do we? How do you know that? Because it was. It never happened. Be- that's not saying what. Okay, that okay, okay. That's this, not saying this, what. I'm happened. logically say it like this. Whether all of them got into a room, played spades and dominoes together. And historical action was never written in history saying that these men came together in Miami and did this. So whether they was in Tougaloo, Mississippi, did it, whether they was in, 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 in Tuscaloosa, Alabama and did it. No one took an actual account of four men coming together mm-hmm. by the name of Malcolm X, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke and Muhammad Ali, actually Cassius Clay. Clay coming together and having a riveting conversation. It was never taken into account. It was never put on facts. So just by that, the actual depiction of these four men talking in a hotel room in Miami never happened. So the story that uh, Regina King is basing it on never existed. So it's not that I'm saying, hey, it could have happened. They could have got together one time in Chicago and played bingo and and dominoes. Okay, they could have. But the account that she's trying to lay out never happened. There's no written evidence of this ever happening. If you talk to Regina King, she would tell you that it's not even based on a true story. It's fiction. Well, opening this, it was based on some true events, but that... It's always been left as a little bit of a wiggle room. When it says in Prime Amazon, <laughs> Prime Videos, when they say fiction, you got to understand, even when they say based on a true story, that means that it's going to be the loosest interpretation of what could have yeah. went. They're going to put things in there that's going to be dramatized and they're going to make things be bigger than what they was. And that's based on a true story. Because that reminds me that it is a movie. Yeah. But when it, it's 
fiction. And when somebody writes fiction as an account, then it is literally and truly out the box, never happening, being made up, creative flair, cinematic flair, but has nothing to do with actual facts and actual logic. And you remember, I was having a, a conversation with a whole bunch of people, about 100, 200, 300 people about this. You cannot do this to people's historical figures because the one thing that black people do more than anything, and they have pride about this, you let media and you let movies educate you. You do. Like, it could have said based on fiction. It could have said not a true story. But I have seen the track record of African-Americans basically shaping their entire history on events that never happened, a.k.a. Roots. You base your whole history on the slave trade on Roots when Roots was a fictional story that was stole by Alex Haley that he got sued by a white man from stealing his work. But you based your entire history. Grandma's had little boys sitting down watching Roots saying you need to learn your history. So this is what African-Americans tend to do with this type of stuff. This why I cannot call this a movie. I got to call it propaganda because you're putting these people in a light that did not happen. And we have to be real careful with our historical figures because they're always getting distorted. They're always getting put out of context and just using them to make a million on Amazon Prime is not doing service to who they truly were. So I did not like the movie. Completely disagree with everything that happened. Okay, it was shot, but I still didn't like the way it was shot if we just get into the movie. But I would not tell people to look at stuff like this because this is up there with Hitler and the propaganda he did to start the World War II. Okay, it's up there like that because that's how propaganda starts. Y'all hate black men because y'all watch Danny Glover in the color purple, right? <laughs> You was like, oh man, all black men are trash when you saw Mr. Whooping Whoopi Goldberg's ass. You didn't like, you didn't like Danny Glover for 20 to 30 years after that, okay? So your mind is getting programmed by this. And I don't want it to. So understand it was fiction, it didn't happen, and you cannot let shit like this get inside of your psyche because the brain is not stronger than repetition. It's just not. Now it's my turn. I'm sorry. Now it's my turn. <laughs> I'm sorry. To go ahead, now my turn to be controversial. Cry two tears in a bucket. That's right. It's my turn to be controversial. I'm gonna say it ain't that deep. Yeah. And here's why I'm gonna say it's not that deep. Because of course we know it's some fictional account. We know it's a good chance that this, none of this is actually really happening. There's a good chance that none of this is actually true and none of this dialogue had happened. If you need to be reminded that this didn't happen, then you couldn't possibly enjoy the movie, then don't watch it. However, in my personal opinion, I believe that there was some ideology that may spoke the wheel away or start the wheel up a little bit. Because I don't think, I think it is kind of bogus using actual real life historical black figures to set a narrative, to put together a narrative of something that really didn't happen. Or we can't say actually happened because it wasn't documented. I agree with that. However, I am all for the part of being influential enough to start a movement. Now, there's a good chance that maybe some of the conversation and dialogue that was given could be something that we can have a conversation about to this day. 
like we already said, when I brought up Sam Cooke and Malcolm X and their ongoing debate and their back and forth throughout that movie. That's actually stuff that is going on in black America to this day that we can't say is not true. But we do need to have to have this type of dialogue that needs to happen, especially for the first time in a long time. We saw four black men in a position to discuss something that is relative to the black community without being looked like monsters on television. Mm. Not looking like criminals. Not looking like rapists. Not looking like whatever the current media market wants to present to you. Because apparently that's what they think about black men anyway. For once, you had four black men from four different types of political and racial background, not even racial, four political backgrounds have a discussion about what goes on in the black community. Now, I took that as a damn. That's interesting. But it's also interesting to the fact of what was some insight. You would think that a motherfucker like Jim Brown or the man who was being portrayed as Jim Brown would ever have some insight of this magnitude. You thought he was just another meathead football player that transitioned to a movie star because his knees were shot or his back was shot or he didn't want to make it on time to to play for the Browns and then he's like okay I'm shooting a movie and I can't show up for this movie because I'm shoot I can't show up for practice or you're gonna cut me so guess what he decides I'm gonna retire and I'm just gonna go do movies but you also don't understand the type of dialogue he presents in this type of movie and it's just really interesting because you would think a man who is branded as a Republican who likes white women who is so all this so on and so forth you never thought a guy like Cassius Clay, who is the most cocky, brash, arrogant fighter of all of our entire lives, who has carried the confidence throughout years, would actually have a moment where he was kind of dumbstruck and didn't really know what to say or do in moments like that. It's almost like you have to be humbled a little bit to see what's really going on. Mm. You wouldn't think a guy like Sam Cooke, who has spent years and years and years entertaining white folks in that magnitude to actually have some insight of how the black community should present itself and how to make moves in the black community, how to gain wealth in the black community. And you damn sure didn't expect somebody like Malcolm X to show that much emotion and be that petty when his back was against the wall and he didn't know what to really do. Granted, we don't, we've never seen something like this before. Right. But here's an, an idea that I want to share. That even though we don't know what actually happened in this room, because we all would, let's go on the record and say this pretty much never happened. But you can see four historical black figures and think to yourself, wow, they look, they look, act, and sound just like four guys in the room that you see every day. And don't you think that you would probably have that correlation say, bam. They sound like us on how we talk about shit. Maybe we're not that much different from these the people that we idolize. Maybe that was the message that was being brought right there. We know it probably wasn't true, but maybe that was the message. We are that, we're not that much different from them. Mm. And so we probably can relate to them a little bit more now. Maybe we could go back and look in our history books about Jim Brown and Mal- and Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali and Sam Cooke and just go, damn, they could have just been like us, struggling in a, in a society that didn't want them. And they're just trying to find their own way. And some ways have more radical than others. 
Because that's what's going on now. We having that same dialogue. I will recommend that if you do want to watch some actual content, do look up the, the two killings of Sam Cooke. That is something that I would like to that watch. Was, that was good. That was yeah. good. The two killings of Sam Cooke, I would recommend y'all actually watch that shit. Mm-hmm. And if you do have time, you want to refresh your memory about the Malcolm X autobiography, watch X. I guess you want to watch that if you want to. But do pick up the book, the actual autobiography that he actually wrote. Do actually read that again if you need to refresh your course. But and it's but as I was saying, it's almost like it was presented in a way where we could relate to them. So what you're saying is that you know even that it might be based in fiction, mm-hmm. that because Regina King represented these four people in in a light that tackles a lot of modern day issues, mm-hmm. that you know the people that might not be aware of a, a Malcolm X, a, a Jim Brown. A Sam Cooke, you know. I don't think nobody that is 25 or below knows who Sam Cooke is. Right. You know. So you feel that because she did it like this, this could be a positive for the for the African American community in order to tackle some of these issues yeah. that's happening today. I believe it could be a positive. However, I can also say it could be a negative. The reason why I say it could be a negative, it brings up to the point that you just brought, because right now. We're in a situation where now we are misconstruing history. So I would need for people to understand who these people are that they are being brought into this movie. So that's why I say I recommend y'all do y'all research on these people first and learn to separate who these people really were from this movie. Because even though the ideologies were there, although the concept of understanding was there, you have to understand who these people are first. Okay. I'll give you that. That's what I would say. Now, the one thing just in rebuttal of it, nothing, because that was actually a, a good monologue you gave it. I, yeah, yeah you, you got a lot of poignant points. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I will say is symbolism ain't shit sometimes. And right. a lot of times, black people will throw away facts, evidence, what it is, what it really is, what reality really is, logic for a symbol, i.e. Barack Obama, who didn't do anything for African-Americans. In the case of One Night in Miami, I believe that black people, you know, kind of going back to what you said in your monologue, Mm -hmm. is holding on to the symbol of black people who have some type of prestige talking about issues that affect the black community but none of this shit happened none of this shit is accurate none of this shit is factual the only thing that's factual is the fact that they named the name Malcolm X which was Ali Shabazz at this point so that's not factual Uh, Cassius Clay Uh, all of these people being there at the same time and they actually existed in 1964 that's the only thing that's actual factual about that situation. The one thing that I would say is, fuck symbolism. I got, I got what, four now. Fuck symbolism. Because symbolism in the eyes of the truth and logic is nothing. Symbolism happened with this whole thing called the roots. 
back in the 70s that had African-Americans feeling like their ancestors came from the slave trade of the Atlantic Passage and now they're sitting in the United States. Do you know what that did to the entire black population? That made them get away from their indigenous roots and their indigenous roots could have connected them to the land and they would have been able to get money, they would have been able to get land and they would have been able to have been in a better situation than they are right now. So all of this symbolism Talking about Malcolm X, I'm not going to trade in what's factual for symbolism. And the reason why I say this is, for example, if I look at Malcolm X having a riveting conversation with Jim Brown, but don't put in the fact that they said that he tried to break away from uh, the they NOI, say, yeah. no, the, the, specifically the NOI. NOI at this, and the FOI, Fruits of Islam, I would have to take into the consideration that Regina King is actually lying about the fact that at this point, Malcolm X wasn't Malcolm X. His name was Ali Shabazz, and his agenda had nothing to do with the nation of Islam in 1964 because this was one year before he was going to die. So I would have to take into the fact that all that fact... I got to throw out the window because I want to look at symbolism of four black men that's together and they're, they're discussing black issues. Then I got to take into the fact that they lied about Malcolm X actually getting at Farrakhan when Farrakhan wasn't even in power in the 1960s. He came into the 1970s. So now we're denigrating Louis Farrakhan and we already got a strike on him in Amazon Prime. A lot of people don't even know that Amazon Prime, Facebook, Instagram, and a lot of social media platforms have banned Farrakhan. So of course they're going to have pro anti-Farrakhan speech, but we're not picking that up. Then I got to take into effect that Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali never broke away from Malcolm X. That never happened. And that's significant in history because that says that there was a whole lot of fractioning going on with the nation of Islam that never existed. So I have to put in all that consideration in for the fact that I just want to see four black dudes that was never in a hotel room in Miami talk about shit that never happened. I can't do it. And I would never tell my son to trade or to look at symbolism as what he needs to aspire to and look at facts as something that's just secondary. And that's what kind of happens inside of this movie. So that's why I didn't like it. I feel like it's a sabotage just like Roots was, just like how the color purple was, um, fabricated. Everybody think it was about Steven Spielberg. No, it was Alice Walker who is the leader of the womanist movement that is separating black men and black women till this day. See, y'all don't understand how this all bleeds into each other. So a lot of people will take it for granted. Oh, okay. Symbolism and not see the bigger picture. That, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I understand what you're saying, but here's a problem that I think one part of your argument might be very, very flawed in though. What do you think we are then? And what do you think they looking at us think who we are? So you're going to tell me no, no, no before I start talking. So tell me exactly what are you trying to say? So you're saying is, is that you don't believe in symbolism, but what do you think the people of us look at us, people who are watching us and listening to us right now think of us then? I believe that they feel that we are reporting current events through a cultural perspective and a cultural filter. What do they, but I say, I understand you're saying what we're doing, but they're not saying what you think we are. No, no, I'm saying I believe that they feel that we are reporting current events through a cultural perspective of ourselves. That's what I believe that they think we're doing. Do, do you? 
That's a question one more time. <laughs> what do you think these people think we are? Not what we're doing, what we are. Oh, okay, Steve. So, th- here's the thing. No. No, no, no. I, I just, let's just pull this back. Okay. This, this isn't about us. I know. I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. But, but, but come on. Just, just follow me here. Just ride me on this. This, this is not about us. Okay. So, like you said, you feel that One Night in Miami serves the purpose of letting younger generation understand that it's cool. Uh, you know, these people were here and they got some poignant points for what Regina did. I feel that it kind of spreads propaganda. So, we could agree to disagree. And, and I think it is. But at the same time, it was a movie that was done. It made it profit margins. African Americans are going to consume it, whether they believe kind of what I feel, or they kind of believe what you feel. And at the end of the day, I don't believe that what we do, you know, because we report the news. Honestly, we're news reporters. We're journalists. I don't believe what we do falls into the nature of what One Night in Miami will do with saying a fictional story because we're actually giving actual accounts, whether it be our perspective or not. You know, so I, I wouldn't correlate those two together. I, I have no choice. I would really would because the truth is, I'm going to be honest. If symbolism is what makes us actually get up and do something, then through free spoken black men, wouldn't that be an inspiration for others to do the same? Okay. So technically, there has to be some level of symbolism to exist to get the ball rolling, and so to speak. So if another podcast or another group of young black men can watch this show... And say, damn, them brothers know what the hell they talk about. I need to be act more like them. I need to start understanding and thinking more like them and start having more respect for the people in the world and my sports, specifically myself, like they do. Excuse me. Then that would be some level of symbolism because now we are being looked up at a higher echelon than most people. So that in my now I think what we're more the argument more of what you were just saying is in my opinion and it's just my opinion but I think this is more counts to the responsibility that you may have for expressing these type of thoughts or being in this position to have this type of dialogue because you're saying in one night in Miami it was irresponsible to do so when you had four black figures that you can't even account the fact that this is happening so I think yours I think in what your mindset might be a little bit more irresponsible and I agree with that that's very irresponsible. However, I can't sit there and say that the symbolism doesn't have some type of impact because it can and it could have an impact for the positive. Just like we have the impact of our symbolism of us doing what we're doing now, talking the way we talk, projecting the news, reporting the news that what we're doing now doesn't have some level of symbolism. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it can have some uh, symbolism can have some positive effects. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying it. So I'm not saying that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I'm not wrong either. Right. What I'm saying is, right. you're just getting two perspectives of a coin. A right. coin has two sides to it. Right. So, you know, symbolism has its place. The brothers and people that do podcasts like this have their place too. But the one thing that I would say is different from us, like I said at the beginning, 
we are giving our perspective on current news that's going on. One Night in Miami gave its perspective of the events that was happening then that, you know, kind of happened now. Mm-hmm. Through fictional characters, and when I say fictional characters, I mean just the presence of them, not that they didn't exist. Right. And they were being historically wrong at the same time. So my issue is the actual symbolism because, like I said, the human brain is not smarter than repetition. Although we want to see black people look and say, yeah, here go four people talking. You don't want to see black people say, here go four inspirational people talking and they're spreading lies while they're talking. And what I'm saying, because I'm a historian, I'm a historian by nature. I research everything. I've studied Malcolm X since I was five. When I was seven years old, my mom made me read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And that book was over 600 pages long. I've studied him. I've studied Jim Brown. I've studied Muhammad Ali and Cassius Clay. I even knew about him when he was in Chicago. So, and I understand what they stood for in the chronological order of when they were here and when they died. And what I'm trying to say is, yes, symbolism is good. But when you throw in lies... That's when it becomes propaganda. Because the definition of propaganda is not you spreading lies. In every propaganda, there is a bit of truth there. So it's a bit of truth that these people existed. It's a bit of truth that they were here. It's a bit of truth that they were a part of the civil rights movement at this point. But the lies which make it propaganda is what Regina King and the people that produced it and wrote the play, because Regina King only uh, did the directing, which kind of is going to make her the fall guy, because nobody knows who wrote it. So she's going to get all the brunt. But when you throw in lies, now it becomes weaponized. And I don't want to make this symbolism to a young boy that never heard of Malcolm X, while Malcolm X is spreading lies. That's, That's my thing. So he could say, if it was a play about Malcolm X and he was just saying his ideology, I would say, okay, that's cool symbolism. But if it's a play about Malcolm X and he's saying his ideology while he's telling specific lies, I would have a problem with that because that's propaganda. That's the definition of propaganda. And I don't really think this is something that, you know, it's like, oh, I understand, but you're wrong. Because what I'm saying if you're picking it up, and I'm not talking about you, I'm just saying in general right. to people. I'm not saying anything just based on what I feel. When I say propaganda and the definition of propaganda, the definition of propaganda is lies with a little bit of truth. That's what propaganda is. So, with one night in Miami, no one can say that there wasn't lies with a little bit of truth. So because it was that, that would be the definition of propaganda. So when I say that this is propaganda being spread, that's not me giving my opinion. That's me going by the specific etymology of the word propaganda and what was done in one night in Miami. When I say that propaganda is detrimental to people that don't understand history, that's not me giving my opinion. That's about me looking at empirical evidence of what happens when lies are spread to a big group of people that don't know the actual truth and how we can take off, i.e. roots 
i.e. the color purple. So it's not necessarily me giving that opinion. I'm just a vessel that's delivering what these things actually are. So to go against, say, to say what I'm saying is wrong, I look at it, and I'm not talking about you, I'm just talking in general. I look at it as, wait a minute, it's not wrong because this is this based up in empirical evidence. It's not my opinion. This is what it is. So I would never want my son, DJ, to experience Malcolm X, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Cassius Clay for the first time when they are literally spreading lies and propaganda as they talk. I would not want that. Now, before and, and, and then, I'm going to say exactly the lies that I felt that they were spreading because I made a post about this. If I could uh, get